0: Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Education and Training Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. As we've talked about in this podcast series before, communication and interpersonal skills are very important for physicians but very difficult to measure or teach in our trainees. Today, we're talking about a recent article in the AEM Education and Training October 2020 issue entitled, Videotaped Unannounced Standardized Patient Encounters to Evaluate Interpersonal and Communication Skills in Emergency Medicine Residents. Lead author Dr. Arlene Chung is here with us to discuss it. Dr. Chung is the Residency Program Director for the Maimonides Medical Center Emergency Medicine Residency in Brooklyn, New York, and we are so pleased to be speaking with her today. Dr. Chung, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. So this study
0: speaks to the difficulties of assessing and teaching these so-called soft skills to residents, in particular, communication and empathy. So set the stage for us what data do we have about the importance of communication on healthcare outcomes? And do we have data on how we as medical educators are doing in terms of
1: teaching it? I think it's so fascinating that we always call these types of skills, quote, soft skills, when in fact, I actually believe that they're some of the hardest skills to master. Because as much as we try to put together, you know, checklists of make eye contact and use open body language, It is very difficult, I think, to teach and assess interpersonal and communication skills. Um, Our, you know, whatever data we have uh, regarding this in uh, graduate medical education, uh, it's not fantastic, right? So we know that it's important because there have been studies that have linked, um, you know, positive physician-patient relationships to improved health literacy uh, and some other uh, health outcomes um, that benefit patients, obviously, and, and physicians as well. So for example, like decreased malpractice rates, but our difficulties uh, lie in, you know, of course, how do we teach this? And then how do we assess it? Because quite honestly, um, I think up until now, there have been a very, there's been a very limited subset of ways that we've gone about it, which truth be told, I, I don't, it's hard to, it's hard to know if this is really the optimal way to be doing it.
0: So what types of things are educators doing now to try to assess these skills? What are they doing currently? And, and why do you feel that this comes up short?
1: I think the most common way that these types of skills are uh, both taught and assessed is using simulated patients. Uh, I think, you know, in this post-pandemic, current pandemic era, I'm sure um, some programs are actually using virtual patients or virtual standardized patients, which I imagine would actually be able to accomplish quite similar outcomes as in-person. But, you know, the downside, the downside to this is that while you have the benefit of a real human interaction, is that one, um, you have a fidelity problem. And so I think for some learners, it is very difficult for them to imagine themselves in the real life clinical scenario when they're either sitting in a sim lab or sitting at home in front of a computer. Um, But probably most importantly is the Hawthorne effect, which is to say that people change their behavior when they know that they're being watched. And so that's probably the I think that's probably the biggest challenges educators that we face in, in trying to teach and assess these things.
0: So your paper is about the feasibility of videotaped unannounced standardized patient encounters or USPEs in emergency medicine resident education. So how might a videotaped unannounced or USPE improve on the shortcomings that you just mentioned? Or and are there it wasn't clear from the paper to me. Are there other institutions that are using USPES in one way or, in an or another, or are they doing unannounced standardized patient encounters in some other way?
1: It's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Yes. Actually, in the, I should uh, just say USPE. But... <laughs> um, we had a, we had difficulty with that too, and actually, just just between you and I and you know, your many thousands of listeners, I suppose, (laughs) Uh, our, our secret hand, our our handle for this study when, when we were working on it was simply the secret shopper study is what we called it, Uh (laughs) Ah. which is how they're generally referred to in in the non-medical world, but, uh, USPE uh, works just fine. Um, so are, are other
0: institutions doing these unannounced patient encounters in a way that's not videotaped or is this just a totally new concept?
1: So the videotaped portion was novel, at least at the time that we were investigating the feasibility of this project. Um, of course, since then, you know, there may be other projects in the works currently that haven't been published yet. But at the time, uh, the only USPEs that we were aware of uh, incorporated either a delayed feedback afterwards uh, from the standardized patients or they were audio recordings. Hmm. Okay. So, so describe your study for us. How, how did you set it up? So it was a really interesting study. I it is uh, I have, you know, over the years, I have found it a fascinating study to discuss with people. Uh, and again, between you and me and our many thousands of listeners to this <laughs> podcast, it, it was <laughs> a lot of work on the back end. Oh, wow. uh, but in short, we we were really interested in assessing interns and, and mostly because they, you know, they they hadn't learned all the sort of the the culture and the hidden curriculum, and the ways of addressing patients that you know our, our more senior residents had, and so we we recruited our interns for this study, and we had a class of sixteen. Um, and so, all sixteen you know, interns agreed to participate. And essentially, we set up a series of videotaped, unannounced, standardized patient encounters uh, throughout the academic year. So each intern uh, underwent four of these cases at the very beginning of the academic year, uh, following IOP approval, and they all signed a, a you know a, a waiver of um, consent. And they you know we told them at some point during this academic year, you will encounter one or more unannounced standardized patients. And they had the opportunity to ask some questions about it. And quite honestly, none of them um, seem to be all that bothered by the idea. Uh, And and so then we proceeded. And the way that it worked was that each uh, we would meticulously follow each resident's schedule to make sure each resident encountered four different scenarios. And um, there were a number of parameters that went along with it. For example, we tried to find the lowest volume times of the ED. Um, We trained up our SPs. We developed the cases. This was all the sort of the the preparatory work. But on the day of, the uh, the standard IP the standardized patient would arrive generally early in the morning, say 6 a.m., because this is a low-volume time in the ED uh, typically for us. They would be registered in the electronic medical record using a false identity, and and their uh, medical record numbers and account numbers were actually uh, uh, short. Uh, they were one-digit short, and that way we could easily identify them the and- from the, the actual record leader um, but so they were live in the computer chart and they were we gave them a, a patient identification wristband they got a triage note uh, which I you know so the principal investigator was actually the triage nurse uh so I entered the triage record and and the patient uh, was sent into a room and we actually had one dedicated room that had no uh, real patients within the parameters of the video lens and so this room along with a number of other rooms uh, in the emergency department already had 24/7 video recording capabilities and these had been installed many years prior for quality improvement purposes so um one of, you know, our standardized patient would be in this room. There'd be no other live patients in there and, and the video would be recording. And, uh, the attending on shift and the charge nurse on shift that day were both confederates. And so they were aware that there was an, a standardized patient in the emergency department and either one or both of them would direct the intern in question to go evaluate this patient who, uh, then the intern would go. And, and it, what it became was a, an episode of usual care rather than best behavior, uh, they completed the entire encounter uh, from start to finish, uh, discharged the patient, or in very few cases, the patient uh, eloped or uh, otherwise walked out, depending on how the scenario went. Uh, closed the encounter, and then following this, the standardized patient completed two assessment forms: the uh, Jefferson Scale of Perceived uh, Physician Empathy, uh, Patients Perceived Physician Empathy, and the um, the Care Measure. Uh, which we then used um, as measures of empathy after the afterwards. Uh, following all of these encounters, the interns were actually able to view their videos if they wanted to, and as part of a and, and as part of this intervention that wasn't um, there was more of an educational benefit rather than a sort of uh, part of the pilot study per se. We actually went over the videos with the interns and talked about nonverbal communication and body language. Awesome. So there were
0: four case scenarios that you and your co-investigators designed that would uh, require what uh, in the, the paper was termed as appropriate counseling, communication, and empathy skills to be demonstrated by the resident for successful resolution. Um, and you made it clear that these cases didn't require orders for meds or treatments or testing. So can you just give me an example of one of these
1: cases? Uh, these were, I, w- I will tell you, these were actually quite fun to develop. Um, my <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, uh, it was actually a senior resident at the time who then went on to do a simulation fellowship um, Colleen Smith, she and I developed these cases together. But as an example case, we had a patient who arrived with a chief complaint of allergic reaction. And uh, the patient self reported that earlier that morning they had had you know, sort of a classic urticaria and um, itchiness to some unknown substance and took some Benadryl, was still worried, and then came to the ED. But by the time they arrived in the ED, all the symptoms had dissipated. And uh, the challenge in this case was for the, the resident who provide appropriate reassurance to this patient who was very anxious that they mm. might have a repeat episode. Uh, and sort of behind this anxiety was a number of family members who had had anaphylaxis and who had been hospitalized. And uh, there was a general fear of, of allergy mm. uh, in this particular patient. And so you know, the patient didn't require any any medications because all the symptoms had resolved at that point, and it was a pretty straightforward diagnosis. So um, in most cases, I can't, couldn't imagine any kind of diagnostic testing that would be indicated. But really, the intervention hinged on uh, reassura- you know, patient reassurance and perhaps appropriate follow-up um, for this very anxious uh, standardized patient who was there.
0: Okay. And so you mentioned the tools that you were using to measure the um, intern's performance. Um, was it just the standardized patient who judged them? And can you tell me a little bit more about that scale?
1: So the the two scales um, have both been used for the J-S-P-P- J-S-P-P-P-E. <laughs> <There are three laughs> That's another three mouthful. P's. <laughs> three Ps in there, are lots mm-hmm. of acronyms in the study, and the consultation and relational empathy. Mm, okay. Um, are generally, they're actually intended primarily for use by patients to evaluate physicians, although I think fairly easily adaptable for standardized patients in this particular case. Uh, We had, you know, we actually did collect a number of other uh, sort of feedback measures. And I, for this, um, you know, while we were doing all of this work, we may as well use it for for other bits of feedback that we did share with the residents. And so, for example, one of the things that we did was we uh, adapted uh, a form that looked at nonverbal communication skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, don't, I don't know if you're actually supposed to pronounce it. It's like the Sigway <laughs> <laughs> Or if it's S-I-G-U-E, it's a segue right. of like, Sort of like REM sleep versus REM sleep. Like, do you pronounce it like the band? All right. Or- <laughs> um, you know, all these acronyms, but, you know, so there were a few other, uh, there were a few other measurements that we did use, and, but those, again, were primarily used to to educate the residents, and this was an educational intervention, um, going over uh, non, sort of non-verbal uh, communication, although for the purposes of the pilot study, per se, we were specifically interested in empathy.
0: Okay. And uh, so it's, it wasn't the main point in the study, but how did the interns do?
1: Uh, they I mean, they great overall um i will tell you most people like like all of us you know we all hate listening to ourselves on the phone or an audio recording many of them uh cringed a little bit at watching themselves on video even though they knew that at some point this was going to happen uh and and actually it was really it was a really nice intervention because i think you know i was the one who did the, the debriefs with them while with the videos and several residents it, you know they actually, I self-identified like, oh, I can't believe I actually do that. Wow, I really cross my arms a lot. Uh, you know, it was, it was a very nice way to deliver feedback in a way that was uh, very objective because we were watching this piece of information rather than me telling them like, oh, hey, you're you have closed body language, uh, and and I thought that was really great. And I, I think they gleaned they gleaned much more. Uh, for themselves and maybe I'm just putting words in their mouth but I think they glean much more from actually watching the videos than they did from sort of looking at their quote results uh, from the the scales that we used.
0: Great. So what do you think comes next in terms of assessing video USPE in resident education?
1: It is a it is a fascinating fascinating way of evaluating performance. I still believe that it is incredibly labor intensive, uh, cost and time intensive. And I really think the best, I I think the best use of it would be in pretty select scenarios where, let's say you have a resident who is struggling uh, with communication or interpersonal skills um, and requires some remediation or some extra um, attention in that area and that domain. And they, have, and they have been resistant to other attempts such that are more traditional, such as um, you know, traditional SPs in, in the simulation lab, this might be a really a useful tool in the toolbox that you could bring out in those particular cases.
0: Fascinating. Well, thank you again for your work and for your time, and we're looking forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. The full text of this article is available on our blog at brownemblog.com, open access for a limited time. Check out all of our podcasts on iTunes. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.